She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to another hopefully super fun edition of the Autumn Miles Show. You guys, I'm tired today. I've been traveling. I'm a good tired, a good tired. I've been traveling. I just got back from Liberty University and was able, and I've been doing this for like 16 years, we figured out. So crazy. I was able to speak in to the women's ministry department, the whole department. And I was able to do a little discipleship there, was able to teach all the classes that they they have for their women's ministry. And I've got to say, the future is bright. You know, it's very easy to look at the news and think, oh my goodness, everything is terrible. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I just stood amongst hundreds of women's ministry students that cannot wait to get to churches, to nonprofits, to camp ministry, to all sorts of things and declare the name of Jesus. So let me encourage you what you may be seeing and you may be uh, discouraged about the world around you. I just came from hundreds of women who are supercharged on Jesus and ready to come and share his name all throughout the world. It is, it's one of my favorite trips every single semester because I actually do it twice a year. I'll be going back in the fall, but it's amazing to see what God, there is a remnant. The scripture talks about a remnant of believers that are just on fire, so passionate. And I believe I just met with a remnant of people that are going to go into the world and really overwhelm the world with the power of God. And I've been doing this long enough, 16 years, going back and forth twice a year. I've seen what God has done with these women, and it's absolutely incredible to see. So be encouraged. The future is bright. Okay. I do want to tell you this, you know, in order to get to Virginia, I have to take planes <laughs> to get there. So uh, it's really interesting. So last night we're coming home and I'm coming home and I'm exhausted. Like I, like on Tuesday, I think I spoke for five hours straight. That's a long time, you know? And then yesterday I did a class that we actually held interviews because we're hiring here at the ministry. But so here I am like, I'm, I'm like so exhausted. So I have to fly to Charlotte, connect in Charlotte. I don't know why Charlotte's airport is not set up very great. Okay. It's just not. Anyway, we finally get to Charlotte. I get on my plane in Charlotte and we got a two and a half hour flight back to Dallas. Okay. So I typically watch a movie and like kind of veg out or whatever on that plane ride. Cause I've done this trip so many times over the years. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this movie, which I was like, it was like one of those brainless movies where it's like, you know, you don't have to think about anything. It's a feel good movie. You know, everything's happy, whatever. And all of a sudden I start smelling something. Now, listen, I don't know exactly what it is. I I don't want to say what I think it is. (laughs) Essential oil dish, very strong 
so strong that I get a headache because we're enclosed in a metal tube in the air. Okay. I'm like looking around to see, I don't know what the deal is. I've, I have this, the hyper sense of smell. I'm like looking around. The fl- plane is not that full. We were able to have a seat between Cassie and I. So Cassie's got her earphones in. Like she's vegging too because she's exhausted. I look over at Cassie. She acts like there's like no problem. I am like getting a headache from the smell on the plane. It's like making me nauseous a little bit. I'm going, does anyone else smell this? Like the stewardess are walking up and down the aisles. And I'm thinking, surely they're going to go ask whoever is releasing the smell into the air to stop because it's crazy. I asked Cassie today, I said, did you smell what I was smelling? And she was like, no, I was listening to my movie. And I was like, well, Cassie, I can do two things at once. I can watch a movie and smell at the same time. Anyway, it brought up this interesting conversation about plain etiquette. And let me just say here, I love you. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out. I would love to meet you. I would love to just, you know, get to know you or whatever. But when we're on planes, guys, there is a set of rules, unwritten rules. Let me review them for you. Number one, don't crack open a bottle of essential oils and take a bath in it if you are on an airplane. Okay, just don't do it. It's like, it's like I was like praying. I'm like, I've got this headache. What am I going to do? Not that I don't like essential oils. I think they're great. I love me some lavender. But let me tell you something. In a plane, not the optimal place. Also, we were also talking about this one. What about the guy or girl that you're sitting behind and they put their seat back all the way back to where basically their head is in your lap? What about that person? I never put my seat back because I'm like, I I don't want to be rude and like take up that person's seat behind me. <laughs> but when we were going to Virginia, uh, there was someone that was sitting in front of me, put their seat all the way back. And then they were like bouncing. I'm not even kidding. Like bouncing with their seats. <laughs> so I was trying to drink my little drink, my little complimentary beverage that they gave me of Diet Coke and extra ice. And it was like splashing because the person in front of me was basically in my lap bouncing their seat back. Is that, is that not, is that only etiquette to me? I, I just, I don't understand. Another tip for planes. <laughs> if you have an aisle or window seat, let the person in the middle have the armrest. I just think that that is just the nice thing to do. They are so awkwardly sitting in that middle seat. I hate middle seats. Okay. I, if I fly with my husband, I always make him sit in the middle. <laughs> That middle seat person, it is such an awkward position because if you happen to sit by someone who, like two men sitting beside each other, like your bodies will touch at some point, like on the knee or the arm or whatever. It's just so, so awkward. I could go with lots of stories about middle seat stories. Cassie just sent me a picture of a picture that she had taken with someone that was sitting in the middle seat. It looked like at least, I don't know if it was the middle seat, but it looked like it to me. And they took their shoes off and they had bare feet in the middle seat. Why would you do that? I just, I just don't understand guys. Anyway, I say all that to say one of the rules should be, please keep your shoes on. 
Another one should be, please let the person in the middle seat have both armrests. It's just nice. Just a nice thing to do. Okay. I could talk about the bathroom and the bathroom etiquette, but I'll save that for another show. The bottom line is this. When you get on an airplane and you're 30,000 feet in the air, let's love our neighbor by not doing anything crazy, okay? If you go to Subway and you get the broiled sandwich with all the peppers and all the onions and all the everything that smells that makes everyone want to vomit, maybe pull back some of that and love your neighbor by not making them want to puke, okay? I'm just saying. Now that you all have stopped listening, we are going to talk about something amazing. After the break, we are done with our series and we are going to do just a really, really cool word that God gave me a couple weeks ago. So we're going to do that after the break. That is what's happening in my world, guys. That was pretty, pretty organic and pretty raw. I'll see you after the break to talk about something amazing when God removes your block. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, okay, okay. Here we are back. I love this word. This is a word that God gave me a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to get through the series that we did last week when the new makes you nervous in order to share it with you. This is for those of you out there today that you are like trucking along on God's call for your life. Like you are doing the thing. You are doing exactly what you believe that God has asked you to do. You you know it. You like know it. And recently, and I'm just speaking this in faith, you've gotten a giant roadblock, okay? A giant block, a giant barricade, something has come in the way, and you are so frustrated because you're doing exactly what God has asked you to do. Anyone feel like that out there today? I feel like somebody does because I got a word for you guys today. This has actually happened to me a lot, but we, my husband and I have just sort of lived through this. We're trucking along. We know exactly what God wants us to do. And then all of a sudden there seems to be a roadblock. I'm going to, I want to talk to you guys today about 
the roadblock that is needed so you can see God's power manifest more powerfully in your life. I I love the, of course, all the stories of Jesus, but I I want to take you very practically and show you what I mean from scripture today. I believe that there's a lot of people that have, have a stop. They have a block. They have a barricade. And I think you're probably asking yourself, what do I do with this? Is this a sign that I turn around and go in the opposite direction? I would say no. Or is this a sign that I press in to the power of God? This is what I know about the Lord. With every roadblock, with every thing that he allows in our path, it is an invitation to see his power manifested this side of heaven. These roadblocks sometimes are some of the greatest things that could ever happen to us. Now, in the moment, we think they're very frustrating and they're very inconvenient and they just make us question and we get really confused about them. But in reality, God allows these things to happen because he wants to take your your faith to a deeper level than it's ever been before. I learned this principle and just how God works this way years and years ago when I kept getting no's. No, you're too this. No, you're too that. No, we don't want you to do this. And the no's frustrated me so much until I saw God blow through all of those doors and started opening up bigger opportunities than those no's even would have been. I want to encourage those of you guys today that you're stuck. You don't know what to do because you were following along in the footsteps of Jesus and all of a sudden something is now blocking your way, be it finances, be it an opportunity that fell through. I want to tell you of the way maker, Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's go to Luke nine because I'm obsessed with this story. Luke nine. Okay. We'll talk about this one first. I wanted to go to a different one first. We'll go to the feeding of the 5,000. Now I want you to just take... Take a nod from Jesus here, the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to read it and I'm going to make one point. We have two other stories that I'm going to get through. Now the day was ending and the 12 came and said to Jesus, send the crowds away. Now there's a lot. I've t- I have preached on this passage so many times, just so phenomenal. And I can you can preach it, you know, seven ways this Sunday. But in this first verse that I just read, Luke 9, 12, it says something that it doesn't say. Now the day was ending and the 12 came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away that they may go into the surrounding villages and countrysides and find lodging and get something to eat here for we are in a desolate place. It does not say specifically what he's doing. We know that he is teaching. He is about his father's business, teaching probably 20,000 people that have gathered around him over the course of who even knows how long. And they're literally gleaning and listening. This is such a beautiful picture of Jesus because it's the word bring in the word. 
who would you rather hear the word from than the word? I mean, just no, that had to be one of the most spectacular moments ever to sit and listen to Jesus speak. And, and, it, and it's crazy how many people have had developed. Okay. So uh, in my study, it's say 5,000 men, but probably about 20,000. Jesus is doing exactly why he's on planet earth. He is teaching. Okay. Exactly why God brought him here was, of course, to teach, develop, and then die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected. He is walking in his calling. I wanted to bring you this example because you don't get a better example than when Jesus does it, okay? He's walking in his calling. And then what happens? There is a stop. There is a roadblock and a barricade for Jesus to continue teaching. And this is what it is. The day was ending. The 12 came while Jesus was teaching and doing exactly what he was supposed to do. And they said, hey, Jesus, you need to send the crowds away. We know why, if you know the story, it's because they were hungry and the day was getting late. So there was a block. The disciples literally came and stopped him from teaching to tell him, we got a problem. The problem is there's no food. It's getting late. They got to go. We don't know how we're going to feed them. Now this block, listen, this block could have stopped all the ministry that Jesus was doing at that second. But rather than it stopping the ministry that he was doing at that second, oh, Jesus is so awesome. He looks at them and he gives them the opportunity to provide for the 20,000 people that are sitting there in a way that would be legendary. The block became a blessing. The block became something so beautiful and so miraculous that we're still talking about it today. Notice we don't even see what he's saying to these 20,000 people, but let me tell you something. We remember the hunger. We remember the block. You give them something to eat is what he says. So they get a little boy, five loaves, two fish, and God takes it he breaks the bread. He, he blesses it. And then what happens? The block becomes a blessing. Jesus could have said, you're right. How are we going to feed these 20,000 people? You have a good point. And let me tell you something. The disciples did have a good point. There was a lot of people. And I don't know about you, but I get hangry, okay? These people are probably getting a little hangry. You know how your kids are. I got a, I got, I got kids and they get really hangry. I get hangry. I'm just in a bad mood and I just need food, okay? He could have said, you're right. Let's send them away. It would have stopped the ministry. But let me tell you, he took that opportunity to show them heaven come to earth. Let's move on to the uh, to the next story. I'm going to hammer this point home, you guys, because I feel like somebody needs to hear it. Here's another one. John 2 says this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. 
And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, a block, a barricade, a stop. There is no wine. Verse 4, John 2, 4, and Jesus said to her, woman, (laughs) what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Six times 30 is a lot. Okay, what is that? 360 gallons. That's a lot. Jesus said to them, I might have got the math wrong. Don't quote me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm a preacher over here. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Why'd you do that, Jesus? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that, bridegroom? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? This is the beginning of his signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Listen, that that last verse says it all. Here we have a wedding that Jesus and his mother was invited to and all of his, uh, his homies, all of his disciples. So they were very close to whoever it was that was getting married. Now, Jewish weddings are incredible. And they, in the Jewish tradition, a lot of them lasted days and days and days. Okay. So if the wine were to run out at a wedding, it would have been humiliating for uh, the the bridegroom, the parents, anyone in, in that family because it was understood that they would take care of the festivities for their children or for themselves. Okay. So here we have a situation. They're getting married. Jesus attended more than likely. He's approving of this wedding. They're going, they're doing the thing. They are, they're on their road to, to where they're walking. And there is a huge stop. Now, when there's a huge stop at the wedding, the wine ran out. No one would want to be humiliated like that. So what they would probably have done is send everybody home. Bye. It's over. Go home. But Mary knew that Jesus, when he was invited to help, was capable of taking that block and evaporating that block and changing it into an opportunity to show everyone his power this side of heaven. So that's exactly what he did. Take all the water pots, fill them up with water. And of course, I just read the story to you. They became wine. The block wasn't to block them. Jesus was going to block the block. What you need to understand right now, if this is you, 
and you've been going, you know, you got, you're getting, you're getting married. You're, you're, uh, you're attending a new church. You're, you're starting a ministry. You're doing a business. You're, you're going to counseling with your husband because your marriage isn't the greatest and you want to get it fixed. And all of a sudden there is a block that is an opportunity to just like Mary did invite Jesus into that block to block it. It says right here in verse 11, John 3, 11, I'm sorry, John 2, 11, this beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee manifested his glory. And that was when his disciples believed in him. This block that you may be experiencing in your own life. God wants to use so that your belief goes deeper. What does it say? Manifested his glory, John 2, 11. He wants to manifest his glory in your life through this block or stop or barricade or pause, whatever it is that you're facing. Don't be discouraged by the block. Invite Jesus into the block. What is happening, guys? Left and right, everywhere, is that people are getting blocked, stopped. And this is what they're saying. Because the enemy is is feeding us these thoughts. It's time to stop. You didn't hear God right. You need to turn around. You really got it wrong this time. Oh, my goodness. Look how you messed up. And God is saying, no, 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 no. This block, this stop, this barricade was allowed in your life so that I could manifest my glory even greater for you to see it. This has happened to me so many times where I knew what God had told me to do. I knew I was on the right path. I knew I was on the right road. And all of a sudden, something fell through. Someone didn't keep their word. Someone betrayed me. Someone this, someone the money, something something happened. And it made me in that moment start to question, did I hear God right? And, And every time that happens to me, I've learned to say no. I've got scriptural confirmation. I know what you said, Lord. I know what your promise was to me. I know what your spirit said. I know how this has been confirmed through multiple different people. I am choosing to believe that you are going to remove this block. And I'm telling you what, that in that vulnerable state, in that vulnerable state of faith, that is when we see the manifestation of his power in our own life. Here's another one for you. Mark 4. This is a special little story, uh, but it's especially special to me and my son Moses. Okay, we've got a little thing with this story. On that day, let me say, on that day, Mark 4, 35. On that day, when evening came, He said to them, Jesus said to them, listen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Let us go over to the other side. On that day when evening came, who said to the disciples? Jesus. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Were the disciples rebellious and doing what Jesus did not want them to do? No. (laughs) They, They listened to Jesus 
and did exactly and precisely what Jesus wanted them to do. On that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side, leaving the crowd, verse 36, Mark 4, 36. They took Jesus along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. They did exactly what he wanted. Hey, guys, let's go to the other side. They followed Jesus precisely. They did exactly what he wanted him to do. They get in the boat. Not just are they getting in the boat with Jesus, but there are multiple other boats that are that are going to the other side of the lake as well. So there's a lot of boats involved in this one directive from Jesus. Hey, guys, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Okay. And there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion. Now, I love this story because I feel like it applies to everybody at all times, basically. For why I'm doing this podcast on this specifically, I want it to resonate with you when you hear what I'm getting ready to say, that you did not hear God wrong. If you got in the boat and you did whatever it is that God wanted you to do, you followed his words precisely. And all of a sudden there's a storm. The storm does not mean that you heard God wrong. It doesn't mean that. It means that you are about to see God manifest his glory in your life in a way that you have never seen it before. We have got to tell ourselves a different story. When a big block comes like waves and they're tanking your boat and they're sinking your ship and you're out of here, God, right? Lord, where are you? And Jesus is there and he's asleep because he's not scared because he knows he's in charge of the storm and the storm is not in charge of him. Whenever you are feeling, once you have followed him precisely, that there is a situation that has arisen that you don't see a way out of. It's because you can't produce a way out of them. Jesus is going to have to step in and manifest his glory and it will leave you speechless. They followed him precisely. They heard him perfectly. They weren't rebellious. They didn't get it wrong. God told them, Jesus told them, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. It was after they obeyed him that the waves were contrary and their boat was sinking. Mark 4, 38. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him. And they said, teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. How many of you guys are saying that right now? Do you not care that the wind is contrary? Where are you? My, I'm sinking. My finances are sinking. My marriage is sinking. My relationship with my kids is sinking. My job opportunity. I don't have any job opportunities. Where are you? Do you not care? See, this is where our humanity goes. We've got to tell ourselves something different, you guys. 
Does that even sound right? Do you not care? God, do you not care? Does that support anything in scripture? No. No, it does not. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And this was their reaction. They became very much afraid (laughs) and said to one another, who is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. They did precisely what God asked Jesus asked them to do. And it was in their obedience that the storm was allowed to be stirred up. Because God wanted to give them a gift. And that gift was the manifestation and the visual that Jesus himself was in charge of everything. To see that Jesus knew would be one of the greatest gifts he could give them. I'm going to show them how powerful I am. So he allowed it as an opportunity to manifest his supernatural ability. And he did. Without the problem of running, of having no food, without the problem of running out of wine, without the problem of the storm, the people that witnessed those miracles would have left with the same amount of faith that they started out with before. Because Jesus multiplied the bread, 20,000 people knew of his power. Because Jesus started off and changed the wine, his disciples began to believe in him. Because of the wind and the waves, not only did disciples believe in him, but all the boats around saw as well. What you think is a block, a stop, a barricade is an opportunity for you to invite supernatural power into that situation and see a miracle for yourself. You guys, I, I live this. I think sometimes um, we think they're just saying that, but I am telling you a hundred percent, I literally live this. When something comes to block my way, I have learned I can surrender to the block and stop, or I can surrender the block to the Savior and see something I've never seen before. And I'm telling you what, I've because of that, because of that story that I've told myself, <laughs> and because of these beautiful pages of scripture. We've seen miracles. You're heavy on my heart today, those of you that are struggling. 
You're heavy on my heart today. Those of you that are like, I am so confused right now. What do I do? You're heavy on my heart. There is a God so close and so willing to engage in your situation, but you've got to take your control off of it and you've got to surrender it. I'm telling you what, I want you to email me when I hear, st- when, when, when God breaks through for you, because I want to hear these stories. Okay, guys, that's what I got for you today. I got a question after the break that I'm going to answer from one of you guys. I'll see you in a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply. But God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, I invited you to email me, but I need to give you my email. I want you to email us at hello at autumnmiles.com. Just so you know, the question I'm getting ready to read, we have gotten a lot of questions like this to our email address, hello at autumnmiles.com. But if you have a question, you can also DM us on social media and we will get it that way as well. But email me, tell me those amazing stories, hello at autumnmiles.com. Here's a question that we have that actually relates to what I just talked about. It says this from Sherry. God bless you, Sherry. We love you so much. It says this, it feels like I have so many stops (laughs) and so many obstacles right now that I can't decipher between God's blocks, God's will, or my own self getting in the way. What do you do when it all just feels confusing? I would say this, Everyone in the scriptures that I just read to you, Sherry, God bless you, was confused. The disciples were confused. The bridegroom was confused. Not the bridegroom. The head waiter was confused. Where did this even come from? The disciples didn't know what to do with with the loaves and the bread. But let me tell you something. All In all three of those stories, the people were operating out of exactly what what they were supposed to be doing, okay? Jesus was teaching. He was doing exactly what God had sent him here to do, teach and then die on the cross and, and be resurrected. That was exactly his calling. The couple was getting married. They were celebrating this marriage, doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. The disciples did exactly what God wanted them to do when they got in the boat. So, and then the problem arose. But sometimes the storm becomes greater when we start listening to the enemy. God said, the Bible says, 
Satan is the author of confusion. And in these situations, when there is a block, when there is a barricade, when there is a stop, the enemy comes in and wants to write his own narrative. He wants to put in a narrative that is believable. So we retreat from something that God is asking us to do. How do we guard against that? Make sure the decisions you make are based in God's will. How do you do that? Seeking the Lord before you make a decision. If you are engaged, I just told all these college girls this, if you're engaged and you're getting ready to get married, that is one of the most important decisions you will ever make in your entire life. That thing should be bathed in prayer. Uh, You should have uh, the word of God to back up his approval on that union. Okay. The spirit of God, you should, you should have a peace inside of you uh, about that decision that you're making. Your people should agree. You should have people that love the Lord that are, that are interceding on your behalf. Uh, saying, this is what I think that God has for your life. Okay. You can make a decision confident in God's direction for your life. And when you do make that decision and you are confident in God's direction for your life, when the storms come, you can refer back to that confirmation and you can surrender them over to the spirit. Now, listen, If you're in a situation, you don't know how you got there and you're like, I made a decision. I don't know if it was the right one or not. I didn't know if God was asking me to do this or not. It just looked like the best thing to do at the time. And so I did it. You need to ask the Lord to come in and bring clarity. Remember, we are not the great shepherds. He is. He is the great shepherd who leads his sheep. He also goes and takes his sheep out of a bind and rescues them and saves them and delivers them. So Sherry, if you are in a situation where you are so confused about what do I do, do nothing and seek the Lord and act when he has given you a clear direction that your spirit agrees with, okay? That you have peace moving forward. You know, you can do something scary and have peace doing it. I'm not saying move forward with no fear. I'm saying move forward. You might be scared moving forward, but God has given you a peace that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, okay? And surrender the outcome to him. I hope that helps, Sherry. I'm tired. So I was really like, rawr today. (laughs) I love you guys so much. I hope this helps you today. I hope this encourages you today because I know that I know that a lot of you guys are dealing with stops and blocks and you don't know what to do. That would be my advice straight from the, the word of God. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week, right back here on the Autumn Mile Show. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today.
As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Oh, <laughs>